3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers, and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present, and we recognize their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis, and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, everyone. Today is Wednesday, the 21st of November, and you are listening to 3CR Radio. Radio. <laughs> I'm Will. I'm Edwin. And I'm Dean. Yeah. Good morning, all. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. How are we? Very good, thank you. We almost have the full team. I'm, I'm sorry, this is the second week we've all been missing no. one person at a time. We That's miss right. you, Judith. I know, I know Judith is probably listening, so the full team is sort of on. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Here in spirit. In a, that's a nice metaphysical way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure. What have we all been up to? Well, Will, I want to hear about your weekend again, because it sounded off the charts cool. Uh, I had my first weekend... Okay, I was going to say weekend off, but I had my first Saturday off in what may be... Years. Okay, not years. Wow. For a very long time. <laughs> and so I actually got to go out with my friends during oh, the day on the weekend. Um, yeah. And it was amazing. We went to Castlemaine to the some um, Austrian cafe yep. in an old brickworks. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Just like coffee, but you couldn't tell it was coffee because there was so much cream. Yep, that's so right. Amazing. Yeah. The proper yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice out there. None of this really sort nice. of really intense standing up Italian style shot coffee. Like, I will admit, <laughs> no, no. Um, I've got some Castlemaine friends, and they'll have heard this to death, but I mm. love Castlemaine. Oh, There's Castlemaine. something perfectly blended about, like, you know, mm. you're slightly out of country, but, like, inner city vibes. I know, Like, really forward cute, thinking, lovely community, yeah, like, feeling, yeah. oh. Yeah, they're probably uh, tired, of, tired of us coming up there. They're delicious, but yes, they're yeah. probably <laughs> a little bit exhausted. It's probably uh, Sundays are probably, n- sorry, hot days up there is probably not that good because you can smell yeah. the abattoir, so it's uh, true, yeah, true, yeah. True, yeah. True, true. But um, I lived there for I six months. It was great. Really yeah. nice place. Yeah, nice. except for the abattoir. Yeah, except <laughs> yeah. for that. Um, okay. But yeah, now my, my weekend was good. Went for a bike ride to series and Cute. there was a live musician there on Sunday, mm. which is really nice. And... I think yesterday we finally got a good soaking and drop of rain. I know as Melbournians who complain a lot about it, but <laughs> it was fantastic to hear it and see it. Yeah, I left my window up. open, so uh, my computer got a bit wet. That yeah. was really dumb. Came out <laughs> quick, and then it left quick, but I then know. it rained again in the middle of the night, so it's mm. great for, for, the, for those people who for the garden. You know, love their garden. Yep. Yeah, no, no, my parsley is thanking it. Yeah, yeah, I gave it a go. massive haircut, and go. I was like, oh, I'm going to kill it. <laughs> and then the rain came, and I was like, we're safe. We're good boys. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Mm. Parsley's powerful, though. Yeah, parsley, parsley is strong. Mm. Um, we've also got a strong show. Yeah, we've got a good show. That's for a transition. That was good. Uh, so, so first up on the show, uh, Dean, what's coming? Uh, we'll have a bit of a alternative news section. Just go through a few of the papers, and then uh, seven twenty. We've got the net plan. Uh, except from No That's to Net Plan right. Forum. Yeah, I went to the No to Net Plan Forum um, on Thursday. And heard from some really great speakers. Um, we'll introduce them later in the show. Just talking about the sort of really destructive effect that standardized testing can have on education. And so, uh, yeah, um, great to hear some of those speeches. We'll be hearing from them at 7.20 and also 7.50. But in the middle, uh, who are we speaking to? Uh, we're speaking to Melinda Lizwiski, who's a campaigns manager for Collective Shout. I think I mentioned um, earlier on that there was this... Um, premature Christmas decorating that happened, um, you know, pretty much after 
uh, Halloween. Yeah. Start, you know, everything, you know, the Christmas mints and the little pastries that you can mm-hmm. buy were out and all the decorations. So what they've done, Collective Shout, is they've just released their annual blacklist of corporate repeat offenders. And it's in relation mm-hmm. to objectifying women and sexualizing girls for profit. So they'll be on at 7.35. It'll be great to, you know, have a chat to them about what's happening. Sure, okay. And then, like I said earlier, that we'd be listening again to the Nota Naplan Forum speakers. Um, And then, toward the end of the show, what's going on? Well, we've actually got a band coming in, um, well, a group of called Home Slice, and they've organised a big charity gig, which will happen on the 28th. Now, I won't, I won't drown you in promo yet. We'll get to that later. Mm. How have we got some uh, guys coming in to kind of talk about it? It's, the charity event is all raising awareness and funds for um, homeless youth, mm. and that's going through the Social Enterprise Home Eat, which they're going to give us a little bit of an idea about what they do and all that. So that sounds pretty cool. the use of that word. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Finally. Mm. I believe it's um, H-O... And then M I E, yeah, capital M I E. So yeah, we'll be finding out about that, and that's um, they'll be ending our show. So we've got some music also to play from that charity gig throughout, so you can get a little bit of a taster. They're bringing their guitars, or you've got the music already. Unfortunately, I'm, they're not bringing their guitars Damn. this year this time. No, but we'll have to get some live music in here sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Wednesday, um, right? <laughs> that's right. Uh, you're listening to Wednesday Breakfast, and next up is Alternative News. Some folks know about it, some don't. Love just, that song. Uh, yeah, it's a great song. We're just uh, having a quick look at the papers. So the Australian has their uh, headline, Hey Cleric Linked to Terror Plot. Um, we know that um, yesterday was the state funeral for Sisto Malaspina, who um, was uh, tragically killed in the Burke Street um, terror attack. And I know, um, you know, over, over the last two weeks, there's been some quite... Um, rather negative 
media coverage uh, coverage mm. of you know all these types of situations. So with this yesterday, I just thought I'd read a press release from the Federation of Communities Legal Centre, talking really about how disheartening it was to see Prime Minister Scott Morrison make remarks that scape that scapegoat Muslims and Islam, which have been deeply unsettling to Australian Muslims in the wider community. And in the wake of this yesterday, you know, the Federation and all of our supporters are obviously calling um, in, everybody in joining a pledge not to support those who use divisive tactics to scapegoat communities of colour, whether they be Muslim, whether they be African, or whether they be from Afghanistan. So I, I, I hope that the, the reporting of this terror plot and what is meant to have been happening is fair and unbiased and doesn't put particular minority groups in a you know in a pretty horrible situation. It's already hard enough to be a woman of of, of different background or a man of different background walking the streets mm. without having the negative press that follows these types of things on there. Yeah, and I think um, we're making we we're just talking actually just during the degree about the sensationalism that does surround these and how every time this sort of terror attack ends, the fear mongering yeah. just just goes through the roof. Mm. And I you think get it might be worth just um, making it clear for our listeners, because I don't think we actually, mm. actually have yet, what yep. is reported to have happened yesterday is that um, three men were taken into custody over alleged plans mm. to, uh, to conduct a large-scale um, murder attack. Um, mm. They tried to buy yeah. a gun. Yeah. And, and purely based on approximately 17,000 phone calls and 10,500 oh, text messages. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Sorry, Ivan. Yeah. No, no problem. But yeah, as I was saying, it, it goes sensationalist. So I remember reading uh, after the Berk Street incident, you know, a few weeks, a uh, week ago, a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago Sorry, yeah. my mind's <laughs> a bit wandering. But after that, I remember the headline the next day was like, um, decline visas for radical, you know, extremists. Yeah. And it's like, well, hang on, no. One, we don't know anything about the event. It's a yeah. day afterwards. And two, it, it was making already those, you know, those nice racial profilings, those nice stereotypes, and it's mm. just reinforcing people's fear and terror of it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And they're quite divisive tactics. Completely well. divisive, yeah. 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 Especially leading up to an election, like using that as a mm. state hobby horse to, you know, get yourself yeah. voted in. Absolutely. And yeah. the whole idea of... Um, and I guess the community is calling for uh, the, the message that racism in politics is not okay. Yeah. You can you can call Matthew Guy a cuts guy. You can do <laughs> all of those ads, but there's really yeah. no. And I can see even with the state election, there's been some kind of avoidance on sort of talking about we will stop uh, terror and stuff like that. It's been focusing mm, on yeah. you know on crime. Been, yeah. Yeah. More broadly. Which, yeah. Which been, when you talk about mm, crime, you then think well we. And um, Dan Andrews couldn't stop crime, but we will. Oh. But how are you going to do that? The manipulation like, of crime statistics is a crime within itself yeah, yeah. <laughs> during this election. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Um, so uh, early voting is mm. it's insane. Yeah, uh-huh. I think over a million people. I feel well, like I voted a year ago. Like I, uh, I voted way at back at the beginning on like the 13th. Really? And so now yeah. all of this sort of election messaging is just like... Yeah. Washing over. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's I find such it- a... It's such a state of peace. Vote early, folks. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm voting early this year because I'm going to be at a musical festival this oh, weekend. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're going down to Queensland? I'm going down to Queensland. Yeah, you'll see my daughter down there. She's Oi. dropping. That's right. a six-year-old on her own without oh, her parents. That's wait, fantastic. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh, with her grandparents. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just out there chilling. <laughs> nice. Um, um, yeah. But what I was going to say, oh, I was going to say I found it interesting going up to the election because this is my first Voting election. Mm-hmm. Woo! Yeah. Um, but what I found interesting is the different ways the parties are advertising. So Daniel Andrews, I've noticed, is primarily 
reaching me on Facebook. And he's reaching a lot of, I know, my my youth demographic sort of thing through these Facebook updates and through jokes and through, you know, quite attempts at positive posting Mm -hmm. and that sort of like, you know, branding himself as the the Mm. funky cool dad. Whereas the liberals are primarily, I've seen them only on, it's true. (laughs) I know, I just say, cool dad. Funky cool dad. From Wangaratta. Who says what he does, he does what he says. My funky cool dad who doesn't (laughs) believe in public housing. He likes, you know, throwing hay around. Um, And then you've got like the liberals and they're all doing those the the cold, hard scare tactics on TV. Yes. And I find it fascinating because, you know, Regardless of who you're picking mm. this party, it's it's interesting yeah. use of the different medium platforms. And yeah, it also kind of feels to me because young people moving mm. increasingly away, away from Facebook, from, yeah. from television as well, and television, yeah, um, and it's sort of kind of like who are you trying to reach? Only the old. Mm. On, yeah, on no, definitely. Television. It's like the liberals have kind of given up on youth voters. It sometimes does feel like that because I mean, yeah, yeah as you say, a lot of people don't wear, watch television anymore. I mean, I live in Brunswick, so I, I've been given up on by the Liberal Party, and that is fine. That's all right. I have <laughs> resigned myself. Last minute candidate that they kind of just plonked in there because they had to show face. Oh, um, but otherwise, it's a it's a Greens ALP seat, yeah, and yeah. Um, I'm seeing all these posters for the Victorian Socialists, and that's very that's interesting. Very funky. I do not endorse any particular party, especially no. so close to the election. <laughs> no, no, no. And we do make that clear, but it, it's it is has been interesting to see the different ways in which people are communicating ac- during this election. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember years ago it was much more like everyone was on TV. Mm. And it now seems like different people are reaching out to different methods and mm. mechanisms. Yeah. Or it's like, you and, know, you always see the Greens just with representatives up and down the city streets. So that's mm. And I think they've been unfortunate mm. with the change of the Facebook issue because I think their last election, mm. it was quite successful being mm. able to target specific uh, people, demographics. Yeah. And Using your Cam- Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, yeah, to work out that, okay, well, this person's always voted Labor, so let's target them. Whereas now they're targeting everybody in oh the no. hope that it does work because you, 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 <laughs> you can't sort of go down mm. to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. Um, but you can, you know, still use it. It's, it's mm. quite powerful. I mean, yeah. obviously that's how Donald Trump okay. won his campaign. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Now, I was asked um, by someone in person to yep. do a quick wrap of what's actually on the front pages of the newspaper. So the age has... Terror plot busted. We just heard the Australian has something similar. Mm. It's on the same the the uh, the raid that was carried out by the federal police yesterday, and then the Herald Sun has trigger warning, um, and this is in reference to the fact that those three men are alleged to have tried to purchase a gun. Um, I just find it really interesting then that the Herald Sun decided to use that as a I'm, headline. I'm amazed also that the Herald Sun was conscientious enough to provide a trigger warning. <laughs> it doesn't do that for, you know, No, other no, content. no, it's called, it's called trigger warning. Oh. I think it's made to mock. Like, oh. I'll show you the paper. Let me hold it up. Okay, that makes more so sense. So it's got the three, the three yeah. gentlemen who were arrested the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, the subtitle is police say accused tried to beg, buy a gun. And then the headline is trigger, trigger warning, warning in big words. Yeah. The, oh, it's a pun. As, as, yeah. as, as they do in that paper. Yeah, and, and, the other and it thing describes them as uh, the Islamic trio. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And the other, the other thing on the front page is that Australia will refuse to sign up to the UN Migration Pact, which uh, has already been rejected by the US and several mm. European countries on the grounds that it would weaken border security and undermine the annual immigration program. Mm. So Scott Morrison will today announce a decision to snub the Global Compact for Migration 
um, put forward mm. by the UN. The Financial Review has nothing to say about the, um, the raid yesterday, yeah. but instead tells us that China hijacked Australia's international internet traffic. And then there's another article on overkill risk for lending warns the RBA. So, yeah... I don't know what any of those words mean. Should I? And and one one thing (laughs) which I'm not sure we covered, just for those people who are still concerned about cancelling their My Health record, Mm. if you don't have a My Health record and don't want one created for you, you will need to opt out by 31 January 2019. Ah. What does that mean? How does does a government come out, say to you, this is the final date, Move it back a month. Actually, this is the final day. I reckon and then people were lobbying to push it back. Though. I reckon people okay, were lobbying yeah. to push it back, but also I reckon Obviously people's computers crashed <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think yeah. that actually might have happened. Um, I wish I had a name for you, but privacy advocates were um, lobbying, I'm not sure, in courts yeah, yeah. or whether it was okay. with the government directly yeah. to push which, the date back. So they, so they did successfully do that. Yeah. Um, there were also technical issues. But what about yeah. that <laughs> one, what about that one yes, million yes. dollars that was spent advertising the final day? Oh yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just money that's yeah. just like. I, I do like it though because I think it demonstrates that mm. the Australian public's actually going. Hang on, no, I don't want my information because yeah. <laughs> enough people have put yeah. enough pressure that they've gone. Oh wait, yeah, we've had um, we've had people from. Uh, oh gosh, I've forgotten the new name. It used to be called Organisation Intersection International. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking about people having their intersex status um, publicly, uh, not publicly, but easily accessible on my health record. You can think of people with um, certain stigmatised illnesses Mm. um, having their information almost publicly available, um, certainly not securely available, um, as we've seen with other sort of data security things to do Mm. with Australian bureaucracy. So, um, yeah, it's just... uh, if you're still thinking about my health record, it's better to opt out now and then opt in later if you think you need it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Than to have it sort of just enforced on you by mm. default. So um, that's kind of the position I've taken. Um, follow your own instincts and um, do some research, I, I suppose. My mother made a beautiful point because she said it's a fantastic concept for mm. the idea of being able to continually, you know, have a nice timeline of your health so people can get a holistic view of it. Mm. However data's not safe and she's like my, my information ain't going into no hands like, gonna... have you been to a hospital walk yeah. in there's a computer it's logged on to something yeah. Yeah. no thank you it's uh, right. yeah. and the majority of the elderly the way we used technology th- we're pushing elderly people out you know how does an 85 year old all of a sudden is expected to get online you can't call anybody oh, anymore that's so true yeah you know, and all of a sudden it's like, well, they're making it really, really hard for elderly mm. people to mm. communicate unless they have a computer, and most of them just the, uh, wouldn't know what to even where to start. Yeah, just the insidiousness of an opt-out system rather than an opt-in system is mm. what gets me. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah. You don't, I feel certain yeah. that you could opt out, um, even if you don't have a computer, just by going to your local Medicare centre. But I mean, that's an issue. Well, that's, and that's, that's three, three four and a half hour yeah. wait. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Just talk to yes. somebody who says, um, actually, you know, you can do that on the computer. That's an ideal. Yeah. Um, I think we might throw quickly to some uh, community announcements and then go straight back into um, a talk about the NAPLAN um, forum that happened last Thursday. We'll be right back. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Serrated tussock is a noxious weed that is native to South America and has impacted our farmlands and environment across Victoria. 
Similar in appearance to many native tussock grasses, serrated tussock may go unnoticed in both pastures and native grasslands for many years. The Victorian Serrated Tussock Working Party has assisted hundreds of landholders control this noxious weed and they can assist you by offering a wide range of information and management options for controlling this weed of national significance. Please visit www.serratedtussock.com yes. for more information. A 3CR supporter. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio. This is Wednesday Breakfast and we're going to go straight, straight to a recording that I took last Thursday at the No to Napline rally that was held by Message. That's the Melbourne Educators for Social and Environmental Justice. They're a uh, rank-and-file organisation within the AEU, and uh, they had two great speakers, the first of whom is Gabrielle Stroud, who's a primary school, who was a primary school teacher um, from 99 up until 2015, um, and was also the author of Teacher, One Woman Struggled to Keep the Heart in Teaching, which is a memoir in which she lifts the lid on the NAPLAN education model that's unfair to students and destroys teachers, and that's part of what she talks about in this clip, so let's listen in. I can't seem to do these sorts of things without um, always getting a little bit teary and upset because um, I uh, left teaching and it broke my heart and it was a great devastation to me and it, it felt like a massive failure that I couldn't keep doing this thing that I thought I was very good at and that I really loved was my passion. And then when I turn up at events like this and a room is full of people and they've turned up to hear me, it's just lifting me up from this thing that has felt like such a failure. And I can't not feel that emotion every single time. I keep waiting for it to fall away, but I'm still always so moved. So I just want to thank you for turning up. I know many of you would be teachers and you've put in a day in the classroom and hells yeah, I know what that's like. So I'm so grateful that you're here. So thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. Okay. So uh, I got prepared and I'll just um, share this with you. So it's my belief that we arrive into this world and our minds are open. And as a newborn baby, we don't know anything yet and yet instinctively we know. So our mind is open, it's available, it's curious, it's seeking, it's questioning, we cry for food, we seek touch for comfort, we sleep when we're tired, we eat when we're hungry. And I believe that if we handle those little baby minds with care, the adults around them can help those little ones arrive at school ready for their minds to be opened further and kept fertile. One day when I was teaching kindergarten, it was a maths lesson, and I asked the children in front of me, who knows what the word area means? And this little guy puts his hand up, little proud little Ewan Nation boy puts his hand up and he goes, well, if someone's got more hair than you, you say their area. <laughs> and I said to him, ah, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but that's if they've got more hair than you, you say they're hairier. Can you hear that? Hairier. And he listened to me and he looked and thought about it and he went, huh, hairier, hairier. And I watched as his teacher, I watched as his understanding of that word hairier slotted into the complex maze of ideas that he already held in his 
little mind after six years on the planet. And I watched as he nodded and he contemplated and he considered and then he went, huh, again. And in that moment, he was slotting new information into the existing schemas that were already embedded in his mind and placing this new idea into that fertile place where it would, over time, if it was handled carefully, become a deep conceptual understanding. And for me, this is what learning is. And it happens best when minds are free to be open to be curious and questioning and creative and seeking and innovative. And for me, learning, teaching and learning is a kind of magic. And I'd like us just to think about that for a moment, like what actually happens when we're teaching and when we're learning. So ideally there's someone who's the more capable knower and they're sitting beside the learner and they do something with the learner. Might be telling a story or an activity or giving a demonstration or an explanation. And somehow, through some kind of extraordinary magic, that idea goes from the brain of the knower and, and it stays there, it remains with the knower, but it becomes multiplied and goes to the learner. It's transmuted across like natural Bluetooth. <laughs> like that's just extraordinary if you think about it, isn't it? Like this idea, you know, this knowing and this understanding goes from my brain and into this person's brain but I don't lose it and in fact I sort of gain something in the teaching of it and then they get to hold on to that and then they get to know it in their way and develop it in their life and could then potentially teach that to some other learner. To me that is just magic, it's extraordinary, it's mysterious, it is just when, you, when you're in that position of teaching and even sometimes when you're struggling with it as a learner, it just does something to you. You know you're alive when you're having these experiences. So when we're learning, it's not only an opening of the mind but an opening of the future and an opening of possibilities. When we're learning and we're teaching in a way that opens minds, we're encouraging risk-taking and conversations and questioning and consideration. When minds are opening in classrooms, we become aware of other open minds. So that learner becomes aware that others are learning around them and that they have the capacity to teach others. We, can develop, we also develop empathy and authenticity and we find our voice and we find our ability to listen. But now I want you to think about what happens to that mind and to that learner and to the learning and the teacher when we take that magical experience that is so rich and mysterious and gives us so much. And what happens when we then attempt to measure it. What happens when we ask, who learnt that best? Who learnt that quickest? Who understands this the most? What happens? In my experience, what happens is that these beautiful, fertile little minds 
start to close. Here's the thing. There's a misconception among policymakers, politicians and education administrators that schools are a place where students take their open minds ready to be filled, as though school is a place where lids are put on brains after information has been poured in, as though students are empty vessels ready to be filled, as though teachers are robotic distributors and disseminators of knowledge, skills and information. And it's my great fear that something sinister is happening in our schools and it runs under the guise of equity and excellence, accountability and measurement. And it is a slow permeation of standardisation and ironically the damage it has done is beyond measure. Minds are slowly closing as our students become disenchanted, disengaged and disheartened. And I believe our students are growing down, not up. So when I think about that little guy, Marley, who told me about being hairier, what happens to his mind as he grows into a school system where his efforts are measured and quantified and graphed and compared? Where his, collect his results are put into a collective and used to rank the quality of his entire school on a website? The layers of standardisation currently imposed on schools do nothing more than force beautiful minds like Marley, brave, young, flourishing minds, to slowly, slowly close. Parsi Solberg, the Finnish Professor of Education Policy, says that the worst enemy of curiosity is standardisation. And I believe a case could be made that standardisation closes minds. So I think it is time for us now to think about what we value as a community and as a society and as a nation because if it is standards and performance and rank and data, if that is what we value, well, we should just keep on keeping on and keep going until all the forms are filled and all the boxes are ticked and all the minds are closed. But if we value curiosity and creativity and innovation and empathy, if we value being hairier, if we truly value open minds, then we've got to stop and we've got to stop right now. We must object to standardisation, we must add our voice to the important conversations and we must refuse to be compliant because it's the path of least resistance. That's my little rant for today. And that was Gabrielle Stroud speaking at the No to NAPLAN Forum, organised by Message. Uh, we'll be playing another clip later in the show. Um, right now we'll go to some community announcements. We'll be right back. Each year, 3CR celebrates International Day of People with Disability. Join us on Monday, December 3rd from 7am to 7pm for a day of dedicated programming. Hear our voices on the issues that matter to us. The right to access, education, empowerment, pride, to creativity and expression, to freedom from discrimination and violence. 
Tune in on December 3 from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. on 3CR. And join the fight for the choices and rights of disabled people. <laughs> that was good enough, yeah? Excellent, done. Hey, this is Pressure MC from the Hilltop Hoods. Hey, what's up? This is Safa from the Hilltop Hoods. You're listening to 3CR, 855 AM on your dial. Support community radio and subscribe now. And you're listening to 3CR. Now we're going to throw to a song. This is Taylor Pickett Dreams and from the upcoming uh, charity gig, which we'll be covering later this show. Dreams by Taylor Piggott. It's time now to um, introduce our next guest. I um, came across this uh, press release from Collective Shout and they have released their annual blacklist of repeat corporate offenders. Um, and all, and the whole um, blacklist is, is a selection of companies to boycott this Christmas for objectifying women and sexualising girls for, for profit. Joining us on the line to talk more about this is the campaigns manager for Collective Shout, Melinda Lizewski. Good morning, Melinda. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on 3CR Wednesday Breakfast. Awesome. No worries. It's great to be um, able to chat about this. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very interesting. Um, I think the the, the corporate um, uh, offenders and repeat offenders is a good focus. But before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about who Collective Shout is? Sure. Um, well, Collective Shout started in around uh, 2009, and it's a grassroots campaigning uh, group um, to, uh, to campaign against objectification of women and sexualisation of girls. And the reason it came about was back in t- 2009, a colleague of mine, Melinda Tankard-Reese, had written a book called Getting Real, um, uh, The Sexualisation of Girls, and it featured all sorts of chap- chapters from different um, professionals health professionals, psychologists, experts in child development. And when this book was written, people were saying, well, we have this great info now, what can we do about it? And so the answer to that was um, a campaigning group that would challenge companies that are exploiting women and girls and, and undermining you know, the health, of, health and well-being of children. And so we've been going now for, well, yeah, almost, almost 10 years. So, um, yeah, we've had this list running every year, which sort of, puts a spotlight on some of the companies that are, uh, you know, engaging in unethical practices. Um, and uh, it gives consumers an opportunity to use the list as a guide and vote with a dollar as to, you know, what sort of world they want. Mm. And I think, um, as you mentioned, uh, this, this campaign is all about making sure that, um, you know, parents are aware of what's happening and then obviously they can make a decision on whether they um, want to, to spend their money with those businesses. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, sometimes, you know, when we have a list like this, sometimes there'll be people who say, look, it's just too hard for them to avoid one business entirely, but it gives them the information that they can either boycott it or they can write to the business themselves and say, hey, I'm a customer and I don't like this. So it's sort of, um, it's a way to uh, have a bit bit more control over our culture and encourage businesses to engage in ethical practices uh, because if we as consumers value those things, then um, they 
that those companies and business can respond, which over the years some have, which has been great. And I guess it comes back down to, you know, parental choices um, being sort of part of the solution. And I guess making parents the only solution might have some problems in that on the one hand, they parents themselves acknowledge the potential dangers of marketing but on the other they might see sort of no role for collective responsibility with it um you know and i guess this is where we need to make sure that um girlhood at a time where you know the possibilities are as wide open as possible we we can help them develop their sense of self um in in regards to removing the sexualization and, and objectifying of them yeah and um with with parents, like, uh, you know, parents obviously have the number one role in influencing their child, but we can't ignore that we're parenting in a culture which, where it seems like the messages in our culture are undermining all our attempts to mm. raise happy, healthy children. I often look at it this way that, um, you know, in the past, if you're a kid, you, your parents could send you to go to the shops and buy them a packet of cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we now know that that is a really bad idea. And that's allowing kids to buy cigarettes is, one thing that led to children taking up smoking. and But these days we know that if we were protecting our children from those things and then they go down to Coles and Coles was to sell them cigarettes, that would be an outrage mm. and they get huge fines. And so in the same way, there are lots of parents who are doing their best to shield their kids from uh, pornography on the internet, um, sexualised content um, by you know putting in filters and talking to their kids. But then what happens is the kids go to a friend's house or maybe... Maybe those um, same measures haven't been taken or they go to, to Westfield, for example, and they walk past the um, shop windows at Honey Burgette and they're exposed to some really highly sexualised stuff. And, I mean, it's, it's an injustice for these companies to make profit and be undermining parents and anybody who cares about children in the process. Yeah, and Melinda, uh, this is just Idwin. Um I was wondering, how do you really choose um, what you're what you're including in this campaign? Because I mean, hypersexualization to the objectification of women, it just goes on and on and on. You don't see really any fair representations of women out there. Oh yeah, it is it is huge, and it just feels like often with some issues, the more you dig, um, the mm. more horrible stuff you find. But definitely, but the the way we've sort of put this list together are the things that we've. Um, so we've heard from lots of people about Honey Burdette, for example, and Westfield, mm-hmm. and so that's why they make it to our list. Um, we often hear from people about Ultratune and their sexist ads mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they've made our list. And one of the things with our list, too, is if people uh, read our list, they can also comment and share with us the companies that they're aware of who are doing the wrong thing, and also they can share with us you know, companies that are doing the right thing, and um, that way people have the option to to choose something different. Yeah, and just looking at this um, Frank Body uh, example we have here where you've actually got uh, the protests of Melbourne schoolgirls talking out about it. Um, I love the fact that you're harnessing the, maybe the protest of these groups and not necessarily heard. How are you, I, I guess the, the company's, or oh, sorry, the organisation's called Collective Shout. How are you kind yeah. of drawing together this interactive kind of voice? Well, it's um, some of my colleagues do go and speak in schools around the country oh, um, right. about about some of these issues. And so, mm-hmm. what happens then is the girls will, um, and the boys actually, they will approach. Uh, one of my colleagues is Linda Tankard Reese, so they'll approach her after the talk and they'll mm-hmm. share their own experience. And she will then say, you know, feel free to write to us if there is, or if there's anything you want to do in your community, let us know. And then we can back them up any way we can. And it is that is one of the most um, satisfying things about. Um, being with Collective Shout, 
is that we are getting more young people um, speaking out and it's just so awesome to be able to support them in the process. But yeah, with, with Frank Body, this was, um, it was, it was interesting because the girls, um, they, they knew these products because this is a sort of, um, this is a company that is targeting them, like the teen girls are in the target market. Mm-hmm. And they saw the, the product, it's a lip tint and cheek tint, tint or something, I don't know, I'm not familiar with it. I think it, it says um, send nudes lip tint. Lip tint, that's right, yeah, mm. the train used to be lip gloss, <laughs> but I don't know what the difference is. But yeah, I noticed it was send nudes, and mm. these teenage girls were hearing from all the time who send nudes is, is what they hear almost every day from yeah. boys yeah. who are yeah. training into the images. And so you, marketing a product using the language of girls' oppression to sell them something is just so sinister in, in my view. And um, yeah, so it was just great to have these girls mm-hmm. um, speak out and yeah, let us know about this. And I love that, sorry, Dean. <laughs> I love that you mentioned boys. I suppose in dealing with uh, the perceptions of women's bodies and stuff like that, we've got to engage men in the conversation. And often it's it. this is something relegated, or at least a lot of males relegate to only a female conversation. So how do we, how do we really, during this Christmas, kind of ensure that both men and women are boycotting these shops and stuff like that? Well, from our part, we do as much um, outreach as we can to, um, you know, because Collective Shadow is an organisation that's for anyone concerned about these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have some really great um, male su- men who are supporters of Collective Shout. So mm-hmm. we often um, hear from Steve Biddle. Um, he's a good advisor for us. Mm-hmm. He's the psychologist who wrote um, uh, books about um, raising boys. Okay. And um, we've also... Um, uh, Tom Ma, who is the husband of the late Jill Ma, he's been very outspoken about um, violence against women um, since you know he had that uh, since that tragic tragic death of his wife, mm. and so we've had some contact with him. And but recently uh, there was a a man in Melbourne who spoke out about Honey Birdette and took it upon himself that he wanted to write a petition. And so we've gotten behind his petition. I think it's got 65,000 signatures now. And that's a petition calling on uh, Westfield to uh, disallow Honey Birdette from uh, putting this constant stream of highly sexualised, and I'd say pornographic images on their front shop window. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's he's done that because he's... I think a lot of men, when they have children, it sort of puts... An, they've suddenly got an awareness that maybe they hadn't thought about before, about how the world around them is, is affecting their own children. And so that they can put it into action. And Melinda, I think, yeah, that's um, where that communication we had yesterday, I was talking about, you know, the the, the insightful or or guess some of the... conversation that's been happening around children's books and children's books being accused of being sexist. So in 2015, obviously, uh, the media analysis showed that objectified portrayals of women led to a a diminished view of women's competence, morality and uh, humanity. So do you believe things like popular children's books, for example, where males were more typically embodied as powerful, wild and potentially dangerous beasts, um, while females tended to uh, and throw, throw, I guess, you know, become sort of smaller or more vulnerable creatures, um, you know, can shine a spotlight on some of the casual sexism apparently inherent in young children's reading materials and might oh. contribute to the sexist culture that objectifies women. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, uh, you know, with books that um, d- uh, portray stereotypical depictions of men and women um, and with, 
you know, add to that TV shows, which do the same, mm. cartoons, all of these things. It's like a drip, drip, drip effect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of tra- shaping our children's um, minds and how they see the world. So any time that we can have people thinking outside the box and writing stories and um, movies and TV that reflect our world in a more accurate way, um, which challenge some of those stereotypes, that that would go a long way to, um, yeah, stopping a lot of the problems that are ahead of us when we um, are sort of glued to these rigid stereotypes. They're very limiting. So, I mean, I know when I've been shopping, if you go to the children's toys section, there's like this bright pink section. Um, yeah. yeah right and then section. the blue section. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. it's, sort of, it's really restricting. Mm. Like children should just be able to play with toys because they're all beneficial and they're all interesting and creative. But when you're mm. limiting them to, I'm a princess and I'm pink. Mm. And then the boys who might actually have an interest in playing with dolls, well, that's in the pink section. Um, so they gravitate mm. towards something else. So, yeah, it's, it's really sad. And I, th- and I think, sorry, girls need to develop and explore you know, their own sexuality and, and identity, and they need to have the space to do that without a highly commercial, um, hypersexual, intensely misogynistic vision of female sexuality being imposed on them. Oh, I absolutely agree. Children children have rights, and I find myself saying that a lot, a lot more lately to, um, you know, in my interactions with different companies, that children have rights, they live in the world too, and they should be allowed to develop at their own pace, um, in their own health, healthy way without uh, pornography imposing upon them or these highly sexualized stereotypes being imposed on them. Um, they should be allowed to grow and normally and be happy and healthy human beings. But it seems like we have, uh, sadly, a more, more of a toxic culture than ever before. Mm. And we need to put in a lot more effort in, in challenging some of those things. And Melinda, and thank you for joining us on 3CR. And I think I mentioned um, earlier that, uh, you know, people can go on the website to see a whole list. And the one that affects me a lot, especially with young kids, is that when, especially around this time, a lot of people are going to be driving on the roads and going on holidays. Those wicked campers um, with all of that misogynistic writing on there, they've made the list. And if people want to um, get a list of all the other businesses, where can they go to find it? Um, collectiveshout.org is um, is our website, and if you go there, there's a um, you can sign up immediately and receive our campaigns um, through email. Mm-hmm. We're also on Facebook. There's a lot of interaction with um, on social media, so facebook.com forward slash collectiveshout, and same with Twitter, uh, twitter.com forward slash collectiveshout. And um, yeah, we'd be really happy to connect with anyone who's concerned about the issues or who has something that they'd like to share with us that maybe we can help them take action on or, or get behind. Um, we always welcome new people coming on. And I think I just committed one of those things too because we've been focusing so much on girls as mm. if women are safe. You know, we've talked about young girls yeah. and bringing them up, but yeah, it affects women as well. They're still being objectified well into their you know, yeah. elderly age group. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, we need to really um, work towards liberating women from some of those restrictive things because yeah, it sort of carries on all through life. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us, Melinda, on uh, 3CR Breakfast, and uh, have a good day. You too. Thanks so much for having me on. And that was uh, Campaigns Manager at Collective Shout, Melinda Lideski, talking to us about the blacklist for repeat corporate offenders. Can I quickly say, Dean, um, it's funny she says a send nude lip tint, because in high school, two years ago, I was forced to watch 
about seven different little short films about Australia about uh, against sending nudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying, you know, these yeah. are explicit, these are exploitative, these are damaging to young girls. So for them to have the exact same age group have that pushed yeah. by companies... It says a lot about the business. Actually despicable, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, so we're going to move on back to the Notre Napland Forum. Uh, different speaker this time. Brendan Murray is the director of Article 26 Education Consultants and he's also the former executive principal of Parkville College and started the Pavilion School. Uh, Brendan was recognised for the inaugural Australian Government Closing the Gap Award, and Brendan is of Ewan and Irish descent, and he speaks now on his experience. It's hard to know exactly where to start. I can, I can do about two hours on this topic. Um, but I, I have this belief, like, as an educator, that it's important to sort of um, be a part of um, the room and... Um, and so I want to start by saying how, uh, what a privilege it is to be here and to say thank you for coming for the same reasons that I was with a, a friend of mine today. We caught a plane back from the Central Desert and uh, she's an educator and we talked about who would come tonight um, after teaching and working all day. And mm. I'm very grateful that you're all here um, and I'm grateful to Lucy for organising this and uh, to be here with Gabby, who um, I've read a lot about and I've seen on TV. Um, and I'll start by saying that one of the greatest issues that we have in education is that one-off, because there's many, and I'm not going to rank them. <laughs> um, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, their last sort of uh, time around... Um, came up with a statistic of 53% uh, of um, Australian citizens who uh, have an education degree have left teaching. Mm -hmm. It's about 20-odd percent, I can't remember exactly, 21, 22, something like that, um, within their first year leave, not to return. But what a crisis we have in education. Um, and the crisis, I think... Um, I'll come back around to it, but the crisis is that education uh, has been commandeered by uh, politicians and bureaucrats who actually don't know what they're doing. Um, if I start with um, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, it states that education, um, that everyone has the right to education, and education um, should be directed to the full development of the human personality. It's Article 26. And then it should promote respect, tolerance and understanding amongst all nations. And it should promote peace amongst all people. So out of that, we have an arm of the United Nations, UNESCO, as a beautiful start to their preamble. That is, since wars start, um, since all wars start in the minds of men, it's in the minds of men that the defences of peace must be constructed. That's really nice. I like that. I like to think about that. We could measure the success of education in our society if we really needed metrics on how many people we've got in prison, how many people are excluded, the, the school-to-prison pipeline. We could do that if we, re if we wanted metrics that really mattered. But we have this huge issue, and I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so 
back me here because I've done a lot of time on this. Uh, NAPLAN's born out of the program for international student assessment, PISA, which um, is born out of the organisation of economic cooperation and development. It's 36 member states, roughly 27, I'm not great on this, but about 27 uh, play in you know, the European soccer championships. So let's say Europe and a few friends are in there pulling the strings on education policy throughout the world via standardised testing. Now you might think, oh, I don't know, I can't see the link right now. NAPLAN is for 15-year-olds. Um, it goes, oh, sorry, PISA is for 15-year-olds. NAPLAN, we go grade three, five, seven, nine. NAPLAN finishes by, I think this year it was the end of May. Then PISA comes in July to September. It's really conditioning. We're preparing kids through standardised testing of literacy and numeracy to get them to a point to perform for a PISA assessment, which is just pointless, really. Um, you may have heard from um, media and governments about how poor our education system is because we're going backwards and we don't do so well against Finland or Shanghai, do better than us. But some, something quite remarkable happened in the last round of testing that you probably won't know too much about because you don't get much of a run in the media. And that is that the OECD came out with a new test and they decided that something like collaborative problem solving and we finished top ten in the world. It's quite amazing. Um, it didn't get much of a run. But it's quite remarkable because Shanghai, the province of Shanghai, top literacy, numeracy and science in PISA last time around and they didn't make the top 20 because you can't really teach to how to work together in, in rote sort of style. You can't teach to that test. So there's all these theories sort of swirling around academia about is it because we play sport? What is it about our culture? No one actually knows why we did so well. It's really hard for our education, uh, I think, policy makers and politicians who largely just passing through to sort of get their head around education and how to measure anything. So I'm, I'm alright with measurement. I believe in growth. So if from a philosophical point of view, um, I, I like John Dewey and the idea of growth as the characteristic of life and that the sole criterion for the measurement of school is, you know, the sort of climate that it provides and the, the means for growth, but not restricted just to literacy and numeracy and things that matter. I'm not saying that they're um, not important, but there's an incredible amount of priority given to those areas. And um, it's to the detriment of all of us. Most children at my, you know, my kids' local school could, um, you know, they, they understand what NAPLAN is because, you know, everyone does it every now and again. But yet it would be hard for, uh, I would go with, I would take a punt and bet that no child in the school 
of 500 could tell me the five nations that make up the Kulin Alliance, yet they lived for our lives here in Melbourne. I know that's the saying, like it's hard for all of us because it's just not something that we think about or talk about. It's not part of our education. And that was Brendan Murray speaking at uh, last Thursday's No to NAPLAN forum. Uh, there was only an excerpt, excerpt of what he had to say. If you want to hear the whole thing, I'll be hosting it on um, the ho- hosting the whole um, speech uninterrupted on SoundCloud, and I'll be tweeting that at um, my personal Twitter, which is at William underscore I L L Y A M, or a lot easier to find is at three C R, which is three um, C R Radio's um, Twitter account. Excellent. Yes. Uh, so. Yeah. Conversations about Naplan, Will. Yeah, we were just talking because uh, in the studio, I don't, I, I do not have a child. I don't. Do you have children? I, d- I d- <laughs> hope not. Oh God! <laughs> Some lost Sorry, child. I didn't mean to scare you. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, but no. Dean happens to be a father, and we Dean were talking about um, the other end of it because we we I, I did hear a lot from teachers um, and their. Uh, I wasn't allowed to record this part. Their their personal experiences with Naplan in their schools and how. Mm degrading it can be to children, um, how it pits schools against each other, and that's just a mm. really unhealthy environment of competition in public schools where they can't compete with private schools in, a certain, in certain ways, um, although they do provide, you know, great centres of free learning. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you, you were talking, Dean, earlier about how you weren't really told about NAPLAN um, when you were interviewing your school. Yeah, and I guess it's not. It wasn't so much the interview. It was going on the tour. Going on the it, tour. You know, it was, and it's, I went to two, three tours, mm-hmm. um, and that was uh, 2017? Yes. 2016. So it's not one of those things that comes up in conversation um, where, you know, unless you know exactly Mm. Whether you're opposed to it or whether you think it's good, you might ask. But it wasn't until sort of, you know, two months after the, the prep had started that you can go and meet the teacher to get a bit of a, an update on how it's going that you might then get told, oh, by the way, your child will get land tested or not. And for some people, yeah. it might be mm. too late because they've decided on the school. They might have to then change if they're opposed to it. Oh. But there is, you know... Um, what is it? It's a one million. It's test that I guess is dividing the nation. That plan at the moment. Uh, you know, at this time, uh, for the past five or six years, there's been public statements in opposition to the mm. mainstream view that NAPLAN is good for our kids. Yeah. Um, and some people are saying, yeah, just say no. Yeah. So to my understanding, NAPLAN isn't a test of your children. It doesn't um, sort of help them when they try to mm. get into, into TAFE later or when they try to yeah. get into university yeah. or when they leave school and they need to have their results. It's mm. to measure a school. It goes onto yeah. the My Schools website mm-hmm. and you can rank your different public schools and your different private schools against each other. Which has no bearing, really, no. on the kids. And that was one of the points we were making is that uh, different schools decide to opt out and that really says a lot for what they're trying to do. Mm. So um, a lot of schools that are opting out don't really want to show its results and realise that it doesn't show anything of the students. But as you said, uh, the showing of results really does pit schools against one another. Mm. And I know um, some schools in our area, no one prepared for NAPLAN. It was just accepted that it was just a thing we do. Some schools in our area spent, like, terms preparing for it, Mm. had... Like you, you private made a point that it was classes. a private school. Yes. Yeah, it was a private school, the ones I'm talking about, but they had actual preparation classes for NAPLAN just so they could sell their school better to things. And that's, mm. that, I, I understand that a school is a business in, the pri- in a private in school. The private school so However, yeah. it was that manipulation of the system. I think 
the biggest problem with Napan, the only thing that helps you get to kind of, you know, learn about is the fact that we've got a standardized education system. Yeah. So we're standardizing students from year three, five, what was it? Three, five, seven, seven and seven, I think nine. nine. Mm. And then we're standardizing them year 11 and 12. Mm. Um, so we're working on the system of instead of ranking individual intelligence and capability, um, and individual ranking growth. and individual growth, we're ranking how well do they do against another person. Yeah. Mm. And the school. And yeah. I think the other, gone are the days, and I'm... And it's like a competition even on the state level. Mm. If you lived somewhere and there was a school next to you, when we were growing up, you just went to that school. Yeah. There were, there were, yeah. Your parents didn't have mm. time to be doing all this stuff, but now this has become one of these things where you might have six schools and you like the one that's 5Ks away. Yeah, and you put and pressure on that school. And yeah. then that school has a fantastic reputation, but the other schools do not have the enough population to actually grow and become their own schools in their own right. It's, mm. And we definitely saw that definitely in my area because I, I was in a very good state school, Glen Waverley Secondary College. Yeah. But a lot of students move into that area deliberately to go to that school, which yeah. means that school is overpopulated. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, Strathmore is the same. That's yeah. where I went. Yeah. Exactly. Like you have to buy in that area. Mm. But, like, we've got a school... Newlands Primary, which has, it's bilingual. So mm. from grade prep to grade six, you learn in Spanish and English, which yeah. is great. Yeah. But there's only 180 students or something there mm. for a school that's 11 k's from the city. Yeah. And then the school up the road has 750. Mm. Another school has around 600. Yeah. And another school has around another 600. But the closest school to us has 170. So for me, it wasn't so much about the school's performance. Mm. It was sort of more about we live 11 k's from the city I need my child to go to a school where there's lots of diversity and lots of kids because this is what they're going to have to deal with. Mm. If you were in Bendigo or you were living somewhere in Ararat, 180 students would be acceptable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. so some of the, it's yeah. just weird to go okay. to a school that close to the city mm. with only one grade one class or only one grade two. So there mm. are other factors that affect people's sure. decisions. Yeah. And it's important, I think, also in NAPLAN, the sheet you get at the end of the year has uh, a ranking from year seven, like, like your age group. Yeah. And what it has is it has a zone of your expected area, yeah. the lowest, yeah. the highest, yeah. medium, where your progress is, mm. and you can either be on par with your peers or you can be a year in ahead or you can be, yeah. you know, a year behind. But the problem is because it gives you that range of your peers, it does apply a certain amount of pressure to kids of going, this is the expected level. Mm. If you are not achieving this level, absolutely, you And you yeah, can never do that for kids. Mm. For, for, there'd be no point in primary school putting the year ahead. Mm. Because then you, your parents are just going... What's the point of going a year ahead? You're, spo- you're doing the year you are, so you can go the next I year. I can understand year. in high school, but yeah, like mm. imagine like if you went out of that range for a primary mm. school kid, I'm sure you'd have a lot of parents who were then going, move my kid up a grade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking back to the Nota Napland forum. Mm. Um, so I was, there was a certain section of it that I wasn't <laughs> able to record because it would involve the... Personal information of teachers, but yeah. also their personal experiences, and they wanted people to be able to speak freely, which I respected by not recording. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, uh, oh yeah, so so one of the teachers spoke about um, uh, the the successes that he observed in his school. He was mm-hmm. in a outer suburban school. Um, a lot of people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, their parents didn't necessarily speak English. Mm. Yeah. And so they came into the school with English as a second language. These children who'd been born overseas and migrated to Australia um, and found themselves um, economically disadvantaged. And so they had to go to this public school. Um, they didn't have the luxury of surfing the My, My, My School's website. Yeah. Right. Uh, so they, they come into school 
convinced that they can't read and they don't know how to do anything, told again and again by a standardised curriculum that they're failing, that they're not very good. Yeah. And they, um, through the really hard work of their parents and their teachers, go out into community, and I'm talking about a specific um, couple of students here, um, go out and become apprentices in a, in a, um, in a panel beaters. Mm-hmm. And... That's not measured on NAPLAN. Yeah. NAPLAN is, you know, the National Assessment Program Literacy and Numeracy. Yeah. There's a focus on what is what is valued by yeah. um, oh, by the Australian n- government. Yeah, that's yeah, not telling. If that's not telling you it's a gender, yeah. I don't know what. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't value that yeah. someone who comes into a school from a disadvantaged background is able to go out and become an apprentice and a panel leader yeah. and now become a manager is what's yeah. happening. Or, or be successful students. carpenter, electrician, mm. plumber. Yeah. Uh, all, yeah. All Artist. Pretty, yep. But, but interestingly yeah. enough, um, artistic or mus- musical talent or even sporting talent is is lauded upon and, yeah. and, and you know people love it. But if you're a kid who sits in the top 1% of the smartest people mm. in your year level, yeah. that doesn't seem to be recognised anywhere. It's mm. actually something that you'll end up being embarrassed about because everyone gives you a hard time <laughs> and ostracises you. But if you've yeah. got a sporting or a musical talent... Oh, sporting talent, uh, you're straight yeah, to yeah, top yeah. So yeah. NAPLAN's trying to measure this intelligence mm. that ultimately if they find out that the kid's quite yeah. smart, yeah. he's ostracised from their school, or she or he yeah. ostracised from their school. I think but it's not for your, it's not for, again, it's mm. not for, for your child, it's to... And from going from going through the questions, the last thing I'll make the point on is um I did the English uh NAPLAN and I'm I'm quite good at English, English yeah. is my strong point. But the questions I was always so confronted with the questions because they were so um oh what's the word? Based on your own belief. They they were so you could have it was a Any very of the s- suggest- yeah. subjective, subjective answer to there a we go. standardized question. Any yeah. of the answers could have been right through your interpretation. Yeah. Mm. And by saying, no, one of these interpretations is correct, that was not only shaping people's perspectives about what the story yes. was saying or the tone yeah. of the piece, but that was shutting down analytical skills and killing them. During the discussion section of the Nota Naplan um, mm. forum, one of the uh, veteran teachers suggested that you get all of the parents in your fa- in your friend group mm. um, who have their kids in in NAPLAN years, so that's years three, five, and seven. Yeah. Um, take them to some sort of dinner party and mm-hmm. bring them the NAPLAN questions yeah. for English and yeah, see yeah. if any of them get the same answers. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. do because no, it's, it's a hypothesis. hypothesis. Yeah. yeah. Really. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you've been listening to 3CR Community Radio. We're going to throw to a song right now. I think it might be good to play um, Hey Girl by Zoe and the Milkman. Can you um, tell us about the song? With Just it was, a little bit. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, Zoe and the Milkman will be a band at the charity gig, and I thought mm. it tied in nicely to Dean's um, earlier interview about women's object- objectification of women, because this is uh, Zoe singing and saying, Hey girl, don't let um, the <laughs> mainstream perception of women get you down. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. Limits. Nothing but acres, stars and acres, acres and acres. 
You're listening to 3CR, 855am, the voice of the community. And as said, you're listening to 3CR. We're going into our last interview to the day, of the day with um, two lovely representatives from Home Slice who are coming to talk to us about their charity gig coming up on the 28th of November. But I'll leave them to give you the actual details because I definitely know them better than I do. Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So would you like to perhaps introduce yourselves for the audience and then maybe tell us a little bit about what Home Slice is, how did it come about, all that. Cool. I'm Ella. I'm Taryn. Um, Home Slice events came about as a student project. Um, we're from the, it's a local music school called Collarts and they specialise in the entertainment industry, whether it be music production, entertainment management, fashion, that kind of stuff. And this term we are throwing a event for charity where 100% of the profits go to charity. Um, and we have selected to do this gig to raise money for Homey, which is a local social enterprise. Um, they give 100% of their profits again back mm-hmm. into people experiencing crisis or homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, what else um, so Home Slice is a special night of music in support of um, youth homelessness and people experiencing that, and we just wanted to help out and, yeah. Yeah, so I suppose um, College of the Arts, what oh, well, music and stuff like that, what made you decide that you wanted to change it to such a, mm, a political or social issue? I guess we just really wanted to make it important, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, what's a good way to say it? Uh, We just wanted to have a good impact and we wanted to keep it local as well and support Mm -hmm. the local community. So we have a few sponsors and everyone is local. So we've got Moondog Brewery on board at Abbotsford. Okay. Homey itself is in Fitzroy. Um, Who else have we got? Home Slice Peach in Richmond. And... And Violent Ink Tattoo. Mm. So everyone's local and we just want to keep it about local love and support, basically. Well, I love it because um, uh, Homelessness Australia actually released a report saying that youth homelessness is raised up by 26%. And, mm-hmm. of course, coming up to uh, the election, but also coming just generally, we've seen this year, we've seen a huge surge of homelessness over the last year. So I suppose, why did you pick this topic in particular, apart from the fact that it's blaringly obvious on our streets what, what and in our housing, why did you choose this one? Um, for me, I guess it's a bit personal as well. My partner is a youth support worker, mm-hmm. um, and I see how much they struggle with resources and things like that. So yeah. every bit counts. And, yeah, it is an issue. It's everywhere. And mm. there's students that are homeless. So, you know, it's an issue that's close to home for us, I think. Yeah, I think it's just a bit upsetting to see so many young people on the streets and not having anywhere to live. Yeah. So, yeah, I just want to help out in any way we can. Yeah, and, and speaking about that, because... I guess you are music students using your strengths to kind of communicate. What do you think will be so powerful about having like a charity gig going on? What, what, why is that going to be a fantastic event to go along to, to raise awareness for this? Um, I think people are really happy to get on board with causes like this. I think mm-hmm. it's a, an issue that's important to everyone and yeah, it's a prolific thing. So mm. people want to help out and it's just, we're giving people an avenue to do that. And it's a fantastic avenue. I mean, who doesn't want to go listen yeah. to some bands? Yeah. Free pizza, music. <laughs> Free pizza, it's music, it's yeah. good. Um, talking about the bands, who's going to be playing? Um, so we have our headliner, Taylor Pickett, who is a local Melbourne acoustic indie pop singer. We have Zoe and the Milkman and Danichi also on board. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, we heard Dreams by Taylor Piggott early in the show, great yeah, tune, yeah. and um, we just listened to Hey, hey Girl, Girl by Zoe and the Milkman. And I suppose, okay, the last question is really, um, Homie, you mentioned it, Social Enterprise, uh, what do they do? Okay, so they're great. So what they do is, um, when they have youth experiencing crisis or homelessness, mm-hmm. they have two things they do. They train them up in a retail cert three at the shop so they can work at the homie store. Mm-hmm. And that gives them opportunities when they finish their um, qualification to go out there and get other types of work. And the other thing they do is once a month, they let people come in, choose five bits of clothing, and they have really good clothes. You should check them out. And they also they have a groomer and a beauty station. So okay. they get to get fresh, feel good about themselves yeah. and go out there again. Yeah, no, okay. So fantastic, like, social enterprise to yeah. back it. No, that's great. And it sounds like it's also actually providing a really tangible way for youth homeless to kind of get themselves out of, <laughs> try and get themselves out of the situation by providing just skills and, you know, exactly. actual, yeah, tangible things. Yeah, it's super practical. They're awesome. No, nah, okay, well, that's fantastic. Um, could you give us, like, all the details we need to... <laughs> okay, so it's next Wednesday, mm-hmm. the 28th, at the Workers' Club. Um, doors are at 8.30. Mm-hmm. It'll just be going till about 12.30. Nice, nice. Yeah. And I suppose the last question is, um, obviously, this is youth acting on youth's interests. What do you think the strength of it is coming from your voices rather than perhaps from a government voice or something like that? Um, I don't know. I guess people have all different views on government and who's <laughs> in and who's out. So I guess uh, it's just good to be coming from the youth because it says we care. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and tickets on the door, or can we buy them online? Yeah, so tickets to the door or on Oztix. Mm, okay, mm. and how much are $15. They? $15, beautiful. And sorry, can we just get the um, place again? I've just forgotten it's in Fitzroy, yeah? The Workers' Club. The Workers' Club, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, brilliant. Well-known band. Oh, sorry, well-known band. Well-known bands, yeah. Uh, and we're going to go out to a song by Danichi, who's p- performing at um, this upcoming event. Uh, Very This song <laughs> is called... Prees. Hi, I'm Elise Platt and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am on your radio dial. Linger. 3CR, we're broadcasting live from the steps of the Victorian Parliament House in support of Defend and Extend Public Housing's 10-day vigil. Public housing, everybody's business. Join the Anarchist World this week at Parliament House, 10am to 11am, on two Wednesdays, the 14th and 21st of November. And yes, there is more. Also join Talk Back With Attitude at Parliament House, 10 to 11am, Thursday the 15th and the 22nd of November. Make public housing a significant issue for the forthcoming state election. Join us all these live broadcasts on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show, or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. 
And you're back with 3CR Community Radio. Um, so just quickly before we end our show, I just wanted to mention the 164 years Eureka Stockade anniversary. There's going to be a presentation of the annual Spirit of Eureka Award to the CFMMU Construction Division for defending workers' rights and the Eureka flag. Now, that's happening this Thursday, the 29th of November. They can hear all sorts of speakers. Corinne Grant is the MC, um, but we're going to hear from Lydia Thorpe, who's the MLA for um, Northcote, um, Dave Noonan, Nath- National Secretary of the CFMMU, and Greg Barnes, who's a Democratic and Civil Rights Lawyer. And if you want to hear these people speak, there's a dinner, um, vegetarian available, $20 waged, $10 unwaged or concession. They pay at the door, cash only. Speakers start at 7. And... Uh, for bookings, you need to call or text Dirk on 0476-234-232. That's Dirk at 0476-234-232. And uh, this is going to be taking place um, in 46 Ireland Street, West Melbourne, which is a three-minute walk from North Melbourne Station, so it's pretty close. Doors at 6 p.m. Um, we're going to move on just very quickly to a news flash from Taiwan. Yeah. Um, the the national elections are coming up this weekend on the 24th, mm-hmm. and um, onto the national elections they've tacked on all sorts of things, referendums on whether to import uh, food from the provinces surrounding Fukushima, um, yeah. because there are worries in Taiwan about the radioactive supposedly radioactive food from Japan, um, whether to perform in the 2020 Olympics under the name of Taiwan, and... And marriage equality. So this was approved back by the Supreme Court, um, Court last year in Taiwan. <laughs> but they're putting a referendum to the people. And you've got two camps, I believe, uh, the yay and the nay. Yeah, yeah. And they, they all submitted their own questions. I'm not certain which set of questions made it to the referendum, but we'll be hearing the results over the weekend. Over the weekend. Very exciting. They Stay could be the first country in East Asia to approve... Um, marriage equality. Marriage equality, yeah. yeah. Which would Sounds be much more amazing. interesting than what most of us have to do on Saturday. Yes. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I am <laughs> going right. to Courtney Barnett on Saturday and Sunday. Hey. Queensland <laughs> and a whole bunch of other things. Um, oh, you've already voted. Shall we do a wrap? Let's do a wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So who were we just speaking to? Uh, we were just speaking to Home Slice, and they're having a charity gig on the 28th of November next Wednesday at the Workers Club in Fitzroy, and they'll be having three great brand- bands heading that. And all proceedings go to homeless youth. So fantastic reason to get out. Beautiful. And earlier we were um, hearing from the Nota Napland forum that happened last Thursday. Speakers Gabrielle Stroud and Brendan Murray. Uh, and in between that, who did we hear from, Dean? We spoke to Melinda Lizowski at from Collective Shout. She's the campaigns manager there, and they have just released the annual blacklist of repeat corporate offenders who objectify and sexualise women and girls. So if you don't want to shop for their products, go on their website, collectiveshout.org.au, and look at um, crossed off Xmas list. Christmas with a conscience. That's right. You've been listening to 3CR Wednesday Breakfast. Uh, next up is Stick Together. Stick Together. See, See you next week. Have a great week. Bye. Fight for your mic. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Well, it's not too late, and we still need your support. Donate now by calling 9419 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. Fight for your mind. 
3CR relies on the support of ethical organisations to keep our vital community of voices on air. And we'd like to thank our breakfast supporters, the new international bookshop, Nibs, at Trades Hall, and eco-friendly paper and printing outfit, Earth Greetings. You can check them out at nibs.org.au and earthgreetings.com.au. And if you'd like more information on how your organisation can become a 3CR supporter, contact the station on 03 9419 8377. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.